book of Isaiah, chapter 9. Don read from there last week. I'm also going to be reading from Luke, chapter 2. Isaiah, chapter 9, and we're reading also from Luke, chapter 2. Father, in the name of Jesus, how grateful we are. Thankful to be here this morning. Thankful that we can celebrate you. Thank you for your grace. Thank you, Lord, for the amazing miracle of Jesus coming for us. God, we cannot celebrate it enough. And now as we approach your word, we give preeminence to it in our lives. We ask that you would open up our heart, open up our understanding, what we might comprehend, and apply it to our lives, and we'll give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Everybody says, Amen. Amen. Isaiah chapter 9, I'm just going to read verse 6 and 7. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there shall be no end upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it, to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Luke chapter 2. This is the familiar Christmas story about our, the shepherds. Luke chapter 2, verse 8 says, And there was in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. This week we are continuing the Advent uh, message. Uh, last week we talked about hope. This week we are talking about peace. There are four candles that go with Advent. The four Advent candles are red and are lit around a white candle that sits in the middle. Obviously the white candle representing Christ, which is the center focus of Christmas. And so this week we're celebrating Advent. And we know that there was a first Advent. Jesus came to this earth. But in celebration of that first Advent, we say, even so, come Lord Jesus, because we're waiting for a second Advent. Amen. He is coming again. Did you know that this morning? Jesus is coming, and we need to be ready for that. So as we celebrate Advent, we're focusing uh, on those beautiful things that Christ has brought to us. And this week we want to talk about peace. Now, Christmas time is known as the most wonderful time of the year, right? But how many of you knows that that song could say, it's the most stressful time of the year? Come on now. I'm getting amens all over the place on that one. <laughs> Unfortunately, they can't say that. And I do love Christmas, but let's just be honest. Sometimes we make it harder on ourselves than we need to. We make Christmas be more than what it was ever meant to be when, when really it should be a time of joy, peace, and celebration. But Christmas does come with a little bit of chaos. And we all understand that. I mean, you know, the whole season kicks off with the craziness of Black Friday. And so Christmas kicks off like a month-long amazing race. Doesn't it? It's like Black Friday. Hey, it's January. You know, it's like just a, it, it, it's, it's on, we're on fire, right? Because we have Christmas school programs. We've got church Christmas programs. We've got Christmas dinners. We've got company Christmas dinners. We've got church Christmas dinners. We've got ugly Christmas sweater parties that we've got to go to. We gotta visit Santa, we gotta look at lights, we gotta go caroling, we gotta buy gifts for our kids, for family, for friends, for people that we found out bought us a gift, but we didn't buy them one, so now we feel pressured to go out and buy them one. 
Come on, some of y'all have done that on Christmas Eve, aren't you? We've got angel trees, we've got secret Santas, we've got toys for tots. It just keeps going and going and going. And this all happens before the actual day of Christmas, where we get to eat the food that we were required to make and go see family members we haven't seen since last Christmas. What can I say? I don't know what else to say except it's Christmas and we're all in misery. By the time December 6th comes around, we are completely out of breath and we don't know where time has gone. Have you ever sat down at the end of Christmas Day and think, where did it go? You're breathing hard, you're sweating, you know. Christmas is over, can I take a nap? If you think about it, even our favorite Christmas movies are full of chaos. They're full of drama, aren't they? There's no Christmas movies that we watch where everything's just fluffy from the beginning to the end. Am I right? It's not a good Christmas movie unless someone is falling apart, right? Rudolph, he got run off because of his crazy nose. He's not allowed to play any reindeer games. He spends an evening with misfit toys, and then he has to survive the Bumble Snow Monster. Frosty has to make it to the stinking North Pole before he melts, but on the way there, he's getting yelled at by traffic cops and chased by the magician who wants his hat back. George Bailey, in A Wonderful Life, he's so despondent over the fact that Uncle Billy lost the $8,000, and he realizes it's all going to be my fault, so he thinks to himself, my family would be better off without me, and goes to jump off a bridge. Merry Christmas! Then he has to be saved by Clarence, who's just trying to get some wings. Poor Ralphie. He's got a dysfunctional family that can't seem to recognize his need for a Red Ryder BB gun. He has to fight bullies, wear a bunny outfit, and survive Christmas at a Chinese restaurant. Charlie Brown has a tree that can't stand up. Kevin's left by his family at home to fight the wet bandits. Buddy the Elf doesn't fit in at the North Pole, literally, and goes to New York to find his real dad, only to wreak havoc wherever he goes. And then John McClane has to save his estranged family from terrorists on Christmas Eve. Because Die Hard's a Christmas movie. Right? And, of course, when everyone shows up at the good old-fashioned Griswold family Christian Christmas, a full-blown, four-alarm holiday emergency takes place. Worse? How can it get any worse? Take a look around you, Ellen. We're at the threshold of hell. And, unfortunately, unfortunately, not only can we feel that way about the holidays, we can feel that way about life, Right? My life is chaos, and I feel like I'm at the threshold of hell. How many of you have ever felt that way? You ever felt like hell's been released on you? It just gets hotter and hotter and hotter? Well, welcome. Merry Christmas. You filthy animal. But here's the thing about Christmas. Christmas is not, about, Christmas is not supposed to be about chaos. We've turned it into that. Have you ever noticed that anything that man gets its hands on just turns into chaos? We can take the most beautiful and wonderful things of life and turn them into an absolute mess. And here we think we can take care of ourselves. I don't need a Savior. I've got it all under control. Take a look at your life. Take a look at some of the decisions that we make. Christmas is not one of chaos. Christmas is a message of peace. 
The message of a child is born. A son is given. And this son is called the Prince of Peace. It is the announcement of peace on earth and goodwill toward men. In the middle of the night, in a small village in Bethlehem, in a feeding trough outside the inn that had no room for them, the Prince of Peace entered the chaos of a world that desperately needed a Savior. And so before we get caught up in the chaos and the mayhem and the brokenness of Christmas, let us remember that Christ has stepped into the middle of our chaos and our mess. The beauty of the gospel message is that the Savior still invades the hearts of those who will believe and replace chaos and turmoil with peace and joy. He's still doing that today. The message of hope that we heard about last week tells us that our conflicted hearts can find rest. Our confused minds can be comforted. Our broken lives can be restored. Our anxieties can be swallowed in perfect peace. I just want to tell you this this Christmas season when everything around you seems chaotic and there seems to be no end in sight. When you feel anxious and alone, remind yourself of the manger. When you feel alone and fearful and anxious and overwhelmed and overcome by what's happening around you, not just at the holidays but in life itself, remind yourself of the manger. Why? Because God came for you. He came for you. God entered this world as a man. He entered into our mess. He entered into our brokenness. He entered into our anxieties. He entered into our fears. Listen, God could have stayed aloof. God could have stayed distant. God could have pointed his finger at us and said, it is your fault. He could have said, you're in this condition. It is your fault. Make it on your own. But he didn't. He wrapped himself in flesh and came in a manger. And what does he promise us? He promises us peace that the world can't give. And the world can't take away. Jesus said, my peace I give unto you. Not as the world gives. Not as the world gives. But what I can give you. Let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. That's the message of the gospel. That's the message of Christmas. That in the middle of all the things, the craziness of life, when everything around us is falling apart, there's a message coming through the middle of the storm. It says, peace, be still. What is this peace? See, we typically think of peace as the absence of conflict or war, and that is obviously one definition of the word peace, the absence of conflict. But lots of times we also think of peace as, as outward terms. We, we think that as long as um, our circumstances are what we want them to be, we think that our peace is dependent on how calm our situation is, uh, we think that peace lots of times has to do with how much control we have in our lives, which can be true to a certain extent because a lack of peace makes us feel out of control. When we're out of control, we have a lack of peace. Am I right? Come on now. When you feel like it's you can't control what's going on in your life, you can't grab a hold of anything. You're losing peace. But that's not what biblical peace is. Biblical peace always begins on the inside. Just know this, no matter what you do, God always starts with the inside. No matter what we fix on the outside, God always starts with the inside. No matter how pretty we get, make things on the outside, if we don't fix the inside, the outside doesn't matter. He always begins on the inside. 
And this peace is something that is not dependent on outward situations, but on inward realities. The Hebrew word for peace, which is shalom, most of us have heard that word. The Jewish people, Hebrew people actually use that for hello and goodbye. They will say shalom to each other. But the word shalom literally means to be safe in mind or a state. It speaks of completeness or wholeness or fullness. Shalom is that inner completeness and tranquility that is not determined by experiences around us. So when you actually say shalom to someone, you are literally saying, may you be full of well-being or may health and prosperity be upon you. So shalom is not just calmness, but it's an completeness. It's this situation where you feel full, whole, put together. You are well in every area of your life. This is the peace that God wants to bring to our hearts. Not just a calmness when we need it the most, but a wellness, a wholeness, a completeness that is found when we surrender our lives to Jesus Christ. And where does this peace come from, folks? It's supernatural. This is not a peace that we work up. This is not a peace that comes because we fix everything around us. If I can fix so-and-so, and if I can fix this situation, and if I can fix this problem, then I'll have peace. Oh, if I could get married, then I'll have peace. If I could live in this house, then I'll have peace. If I could have kids that don't like crazy, I'll have peace. Amen. Chaos comes with children. If I just had more money, I would have peace. If I was working this job, I would have peace. If I was at the beach, I would have peace. But that's not the peace that we're talking about here. We're talking about a supernatural peace that comes from the work of God in our lives. It is a fruit of the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. That when we spend time in the presence of the Lord, what He brings to our life is an overwhelming peace that we cannot even comprehend. It's that peace that allows us to lay our head down at night and sleep when the world is racing towards hell. What kind of peace did Jesus bring? He brought us peace with God. Peace with God. And church, this is where we have to start when we talk about peace and when the Bible talks about peace. I am grateful and thankful for the peace of God that in the middle of troubled times in my life, I can feel that strength. I can feel that rest. I can feel that comfort and that peace. But the reason why I have that peace is because I have peace with God. See, here's the thing. The gospel message always begins with a sobering and a fearful revelation. Man is separated from God by sin. We call the gospel the good news, and I've said this before, but in reality, the gospel starts with bad news. It starts with the bad news that the world is a mess. It starts with the bad news that every one of us, all of us in this room, there are none of you have escaped. We are all sinners. We are all separated from God by our sin. And we know that the world seems to consistently spin into chaos. Am I right? The world seems to consistently spin into chaos. We look around us and we see that the world is broken. We see that the world is a mess. And folks, this chaos is a result of sin. Everything that is ugly, destructive, and deadly about this world is a result of sin. The heart of the human problem is the problem of the human heart. You have to realize that it all begins right here. It all begins on the inside. Now, I'm not saying that the troubles that you have in life 
are necessarily a result of a sin that you have committed. But what I am saying is, is that the world is not fair. The world is broken. The world is a mess. People can be nice and people can be nasty. But what we recognize is, it's this way because sin has defaced everything that is beautiful and wonderful about this world. We are broken and we need a Savior. And our hearts become consistently tumultuous. It becomes a place of consistent turmoil. Why? Because we are estranged from our Creator. We are estranged from the God who wants to know us. We are estranged from the God who wants to fill our lives. And as we talked about a few weeks ago, our hearts become factories of idols and God substitutes. We find ways to fill our hearts with things other than Jesus. We find ways to fill our hearts with other things than God. Why? Because we are fallen people. And this is the reality of life itself. This is the reality of the human endeavor. Folks, if we don't have God first in our lives, we will find something else to put there. If we do not worship God who stands outside of creation, then we will find something within creation to try to fulfill our hearts. So we become a factory of idols and God substitutes. And the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 5, verse 10, that in this sinful state, we are literally enemies enemies of God. I want us to hear that this morning. This is an uncomfortable truth. People say, well, Mark, that doesn't sound like what the gospel says. God loves everyone. Romans chapter 5, verse 10 says that in our fallen state, we are enemies of God. We're not just walking our own way. We're not just doing our own thing, and God is sitting back saying, I understand. You live your life. It's your life. Who am I to tell you how to live? Right? You ever heard that before? Who are you to tell me how to live? I'll try not to, even though I do every week. But God is telling us in Romans chapter 5, verse 10, that we are enemies of God. Ephesians chapter 2 says we are dead in our sins. We were aliens and strangers from the covenants of promise. And we were without hope. We were without hope in the world. But because of Christ's death and resurrection, we are restored to relationship with God, as Ephesians and Colossians tells us, being brought near by the blood of His sacrifice. That because of the blood of Jesus Christ, the power and the grip of sin can be broken off of our lives, and have we have been restored to relationship with our Heavenly Father. We are no longer strangers and aliens and foreigners, outsiders looking in. We have been brought into the family of God. We are children of God, filled with the Spirit, filled with His promises, washed by the blood. Romans chapter 5. Verse 1 tells us, therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. What am I saying? This is the peace that Christ has brung. We have been reconciled. We've been reconciled. Folks, we were out of balance. Y'all ever been out of balance? We were overdrawn. We were out of balance, but now we have been restored by the work of Jesus Christ. And this is the peace that the Bible mainly emphasizes. Why? Because our hearts always seem to wander. We will always seem to long for something else. There will always be some type of turmoil 
if we don't first deal with this issue of separation from God. If we don't deal with the issue of separation from God, our hearts will always be in a state of turmoil. No matter where we find ourselves, no matter how far we run, no matter what we add to our lives, no matter how much money that we make, at the end of the day, folks, we were made for God. We were made for His presence. We were made to know Him. And when we don't know Him, there is turmoil. There is chaos. There is uncertainty that fills our hearts. Come on, some of you know what I'm talking about. Even in those days before you knew the Lord, you could be hanging out with friends and laughing and having a good time and being wonderful and everything is fantastic. But then when you're home and you're alone and your friends aren't there anymore and you hear that voice in the back of your mind, are you right with God? Are you right with God? Is everything okay between you and your Savior? If you feel that turmoil in your heart, you don't have peace with God. You don't have peace with God. There's a certain fear and comfortableness that comes with knowing God. There's a certain reality of how awesome God is that who am I to approach the king? But at the same time, he's my father. He's my friend. He's the one who calls me to know him, wants to laugh with me, wants to bless me. So there's that, that situation where you just you have that respect for God, but yet you feel that comfortableness in his presence. That's peace with God. And folks, that only comes. That only comes by faith in Jesus Christ. That doesn't come by doing good deeds. It doesn't come by giving out all kinds of gifts at Christmas. It doesn't come because you give all kinds of money to the poor. It doesn't come because you, got, because you do good deeds or you're, you're nice to your neighbor. It only comes by faith in Jesus Christ. When harmony is restored between our heart and God, there is this flooding cascading, overwhelming reality of peace that fills our souls. It's a blessed assurance waiting on a blessed hope. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste. Salvation is just a foretaste of glory divine because I've found hope in Him. And what happens is this peace brings confidence. It frees us from guilt and shame. It swallows our deepest fears, and it allows us to rest in His faithfulness. I was reading a story the other day about a, a young Christian. He'd only been saved for, for a few months, and he was talking to a seasoned Christian. He was say, talking to a, 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 a man who had been saved for a long period of time, and, and the young Christian noticed how he lived his life, and he said, you know, it just seems like you have a certain amount of peace in hard times and in, in struggles that I'm still struggling with myself. When problems come along, I still allow fear to come on me and, and, and certainty, but it just seems like you always stay calm. And the young Christian said, you must have more faith than me. And the seasoned Christian said, no, no, no. I just have more experience with a faithful God. And that's what peace is. Experience with a faithful God. Experience with a God who has been there when you needed Him the most, who spoke words of life into your heart when nobody else was there. In the middle of your night when you felt like you were going to be swallowed by fear and anxiety, there was a peace that comes. And it's only by the blood of Jesus Christ. Because folks, when you know that you're right with God, the inner wrestling and the anxiousness finds rest in the unmerited favor of God. 
That means that the circumstances of life can be against you, and you can still smile at it like you've lost your mind. Come on now. The doctor can look at you and get a, give you a bad report, and there can still be a peace that passes all understanding that overwhelms your heart. Your family can be in chaos. The, the world around you can be falling apart, but there you sit like some crazy person with a smile on your face. Why? Because the peace that passes all understanding has guarded your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Now, here's the thing, folks. This is what the peace of God has done in our hearts. But we have to realize that in this time of this holiday season, the peace of God not only comes to our hearts, but it motivates us to be peacemakers. See, the Hebrew word for shalom, not only does it mean wholeness and completeness, but it means a certain level of wholeness and completeness that you are overflowing to the point that you share it with others. See, you can tell when somebody's walking in the peace of God, and you can tell when someone is struggling with conviction. Come on, y'all have been married to people that are under conviction, right? They turn into different people when they're under conviction. Am I right? Do you remember when you turned into a different person when you were under conviction? You were biting everybody's heads off? It was like you were trying to quit smoking or something? Or, you know, you're just yelling at people and punching people in the face? Get out of my way. I don't think it was quite that bad, but you know what I'm saying. But when we have peace, when peace is in our lives, it is so powerful that it spills out into every other relationship. As I said before, the fruit of the Spirit is peace. It's love, joy, peace, long-suffering, so forth. But one of the fruits of the Spirit is peace. So as we learn to walk and rely on the Holy Spirit in our lives, He not only fills our lives with peace, but He makes our disposition towards others one of peace and harmony. See, the supernatural peace of God not only calms our fears, but it also soothes our anger. Come on now. The peace of God soothes our hot-temperedness. I'm, I'm coaching Logan and Avery's basketball team. And I probably need to stand on the sidelines and quote a couple peace verses. Because at the moment, I'm losing my mind. We're having a good time. But I'm grateful for the fact that even in those times where we feel like we're ready to explode. See, when we think of peace, we think of that calmness that comes when problems are happening. But peace also comes when you're about to blow your top right? Peace looks to operate in love, which means it will be contrary to hatred, bitterness, envy, and strife. Peace operates with the motive to build up, not to tear down, to avoid gossip and judging other people. Folks, listen to me. The presence of these things in our lives, the presence of things like hatred and bitterness and envy and strife and tearing people down and gossiping and judging other people, the presence of these things in our lives is a sign that we're not allowing the peace of God to rule in our hearts, as it says in Colossians chapter 3, verse 15. Let the peace of God rule in your heart. Those who have experienced this peace, if you've experienced this peace that the Prince of Peace has come to bring, then you seek to protect the unity of believers, and you stand against anything that will destroy unity. You stand against anything that would destro destroy what Christ has united in the body. Ephesians chapter 4, beginning at verse 1, the Bible says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. 
with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another. Do you know what forbearing means? Putting up. Putting up with each other. Tolerating each other in love. Doing what? Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. I'm telling you, the Bible tells us, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called what? The sons or the children of God. We are lying to ourselves if we are not endeavoring to keep the unity in the bond of peace and calling ourselves children of God. If we are walking in the peace of the Lord, this is our calling. We are people of peace. He came into this world to cure the chaos of our hearts so that we could take that peace to the chaos of other people's lives. So that we could take the peace that he has brought to our hearts, that I get to go into his presence without fear or condemnation or guilt, that I get to come into the presence of God with boldness and courage and ask for help in time of need and know that God hears my prayer, that I'm a child of God and an heir of God and a co-heir with Jesus Christ, that peace covers my life. And now because of that, I endeavor to carry that peace to a world that desperately needs it. It's not our job to bring chaos. Do you all know people in your life that you can be in a room, maybe it's at work, maybe you're at a a family gathering and it feels a little stressful, it feels everybody's a little bit on edge, and then one person walks into the room and everybody's like, okay, all right, so-and-so's here, we'll be all right. You ever ever had that happen? Some of you introverts are happy when an extrovert walks into the room. Am I right? Am I right? If you've got a whole room of introverts and they're all just kind of looking at each other and then an extrovert comes in, they're like, okay, you carry the conversation, we'll all not. Right? Peace. But all of us also know those people where you can be having the grandest of all time and as soon as they walk into the room, you're like, well, hell just came in. Shut her down. Thanks for coming. Come on now. We aren't supposed to be those people. We're supposed to be the people that come in and bring peace. We're supposed to be the ones who come in and unify and bring everyone together and build up and not tear down. We're not supposed to be the ones who come in and complain and point out everything that's wrong and talk about how the world's falling apart. We all know that. That's why we need peace. And so I know that life is chaotic, and I know, as I'm closing, I know that your circumstances may seem rough, and, and there are times in our lives, folks, that our situations seem insurmountable, and there are times in our lives where it seems like our heartache is never going to stop. We say that time heals all wounds, but it really doesn't. It just helps us grow stronger. But God did not leave us alone, and that's the, that's the message of Christmas. This is the message of Christmas. He came to us. The Prince of Peace has come, and he turns chaos into beauty. He takes things that are messed up and turns them into works of art. When we believe, he lifts the burden and the turmoil of sin from our hearts and frees us into the confidence of being right with him. From this beautiful life change, he leads us to bring his peace to others. And so Christmas says that we can smile through the chaos, that we can literally be people who bring peace to volatile situations around us. 
that we can be the carriers of God's peace. Now, I want you to notice something. Peaceful does not mean easy, no matter what the eagles may say. It may be a peaceful, easy feeling for them, but it's not always easy. Peace is not always easy. And I want you to know something. Jesus never promised easy. Jesus never said, come to me and I promise you everything will always be wonderful. For a matter of fact, Jesus said, expect tribulations. James said, expect trials. Peter said, why are you acting like something strange has happened to you because you're going through hard times? Christianity has never been a pie-in-the-sky religion. It is real. The gospel is real. The world's a mess, and we've got to trudge through it. But what he did promise us is that when we call on him, he will give us peace that passes all understanding. He will give us peace that goes beyond our comprehension. He promised a helper that would live with us and abide with us and walk with us. So no matter what hardships we are faced with, we can ask for a peace that comes from the powerful love of God that is not dependent on our own strength or dependent on the situation around us. And then we can live out that peace in a beautiful life of service and love to everyone. So this season, when you hear Merry Christmas, hear the Prince of Peace has come. The Prince of Peace has come, and that peace gives us hope, hope that tomorrow can be better than today, hope that God's strength will be even stronger tomorrow, hope that if He was faithful yesterday and if He was faithful today, He'll be faithful tomorrow. The Prince of Peace has come. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? Father, may we never forget, may we never forget, oh God, the beauty of Christmas that in the middle of all of the hustle, bustle, the stress of Christmas, thank you, Lord, that you remind us every time, stop for a minute and remember the manger. Stop for a minute and remember the manger. I came for you. Thank you, God. Thank you, Father, that in your heart you planned this beautiful thing called salvation. And Jesus, you brought your hope to our lives. Thank you that because of the blood of Jesus, we have peace with God. Our hearts are now the home of the Holy Spirit who lives in our lives, who comforts us and directs us. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for how awesome and wonderful your presence is in our lives. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, the story of redemption wrapped in swaddling clothes. Thank you, God.